Jeff here. Thanks for listening. Go to playvolutionhq.com slash ccbag or click the link in the show notes for the show's archives, ways to connect, ways to support the show, information about happy hour, and more. Jeff Johnson coming to you from upstairs studio in the snuggery along the Gulf of Mexico. We've got Tamar Jacobson from somewhere over there on the East coast. Um, I, I always forget New York or Pennsylvania. Which one is it? Hey, Jeff, I live in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's what I, I knew it was. That's what I, th- but Debbie got me confused. Debbie thought it was New York for a minute. Debbie's trying to confuse me. Ah, speaking of Debbie, we've got Debbie Thurber with us from the great state of Washington, Spokane adjacent, not technically right in downtown Spokane, but out there in the, the Eastern Valley area of Washington state. Um, Debbie is with us for another installment of our early learning journey series. Series. I gotta, I gotta talk good things about Debbie for a couple minutes before we get started tomorrow. I've known Debbie's been, I've known Debbie forever. Um, unlike some of our our past uh, guests on this show, we've actually uh, met in person, which is which is a rarity nowadays. Um, Debbie has been a family child care provider for uh, going on a thousand years. Um, that might be a mild exaggeration. She's she's president of the what is it, Eastern Washington Family Child Care Association, if I got that right. Um, so not only is she taking care of her own family and the children in her program and the parents in her program, but Debbie's kind of been on a mission to take take care of the other family child care providers in her her state um for a number of years and although the local the association is eastern washington i know for a fact she reaches out to family child care providers um all over washington and and beyond and before we get started got started recording here tomorrow uh we're talking about how debbie's feeling a little bit burnt out i'm like i wonder why um so Debbie, you know how we do this. You've listened to enough episodes that we 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 trace people's journeys. Where should we start with you? Um, birth, maybe. Do you want that? <laughs> okay. Do you remember? Do you remember that far back? What was birth like? <laughs> um. Well, I know I was number two. Ended up being the middle child. Um. But, uh, yes, yeah, so I was a middle child of three children, and I had an older sister. A younger brother so I remember my mom saying things like um, like how many children do you have people would ask her and she's like well I kind of have one of I have three kids one of each and they would look at her and she go, I have a daughter and then I have my youngest son and I have a tomboy oh is what she would call me so I was kind of the middle child typical middle middle child you're into everybody else's business and and roughing you know ruffling people's feathers and and things like that that's what I remember my mom saying a lot about me so everyone needs attention yep so did did you did you agree with her assessment were you were you in fact a tomboy yeah I was so I was into the sports I was into the mud and the dirt and being outside and and um, I was typical, you know, 80s kid where your mom locked the door, you were outside and like, I didn't necessarily, you know, pee outside, <laughs> but she would let us in, you know, to go to the bathroom and things like that. But um, my brother sure did, you know, he just took to a tree here and there, but, um, you know, I just, I like being that one of those 80s kids where all my mistakes you know, aren't on the web and you can't find any pictures because they had to be developed and, you know, all that stuff. So all my stuff wasn't, you know, captured. 
So. Now, now I want to know what mistakes you made and what photos there are out there that are in print <laughs> format. Well, they're not on the internet. That's the problem. Yeah, that's the problem. I, <laughs> what, 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 uh, what were you? What kind of hijinks were you getting up to when you were a kid? Uh, mostly outside stuff. Um, I remember my dad saying that one time, you know, I'd play in the mud. And um, I would bring him mud pies to eat because he was a, a mechanic. He did a lot of maintenance stuff, but he was also always working on the vehicle or something like that. And I would bring him um, a mud pie and it had icing on it because we had very large dogs. So I had to put some icing <laughs> on the on the mud pie. And of course, he, I was upset that he wouldn't eat my mud pie and I didn't know why. But you know, I had to use some of the dogs. Jeffrey's dog expression on your face. <laughs> um, that sounds delightful, Debbie. I hope you've washed your hands since you made those mud pies. Um, hey, listener Pam, um, we've got a we've got a, a large number of episodes since there's been any poop talks. So uh this is for you, Pam. Um, so yeah, that's gross. Um uh I don't I don't I don't know where to go for that. <laughs> You've rendered him speechless, <laughs> which is hard to do. I, I'm kind of glad those pictures aren't on the internet, though. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so I did a lot of sports too. I was into that. I got um, injured a few times playing sports, um, hands mostly, and um, broke a lot of fingers and had to have surgery on one of my thumbs and and stuff. So I was kind of, you know, I didn't get any stitches. But I uh, did wreck a few times, and I should have gotten stitches. But I just what are, what are the age differences between you and your siblings? So my sister is two years older than me, like two years, and well, just less than two years. So her birthday is a week before my birthday, a year, and um, and we're getting touchy stuff. My mom always said that I was an accident um but I wasn't planned for that particular time my sister had to have a surgery I guess um and then I was pregnant she was pregnant with me so they were in a financial bind for a few years and I couldn't have my brother and there, so there's five years between my brother and me so and how did that make you feel that you are an accident uh it took me some therapy to deal with this. I, of course, I didn't like that. Um, and so in therapy, I was going to more like, well, it wasn't really me being a mistake. It was my sister having to have to have a surgery, which is you know not her fault either, but it's not my fault. I wasn't asked to be born. I didn't have a say. And, you know, they kind of did the act. They did the deed. <laughs> and, right. you know, and unfortunately my sister had to have a surgery at that particular time so to me it's not I don't it's feel hard, isn't it because when we're children we don't know that we know we think it's our fault of course because we're egocentric but later on when we get older it's kind of it's freeing to find out that actually it's got nothing to do with us we've been carrying this impression for so long does that affect that feeling that you've had to work through and deal with? Does that, has that helped you or affected the way you work with children? Yes. Uh, so, I mean, I have a soft spot for all the middle children that come to me. And, oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I give them a voice. I talk to them and I can see their struggles with being the one that's kind of you know, forgotten-ish, um, yeah. and I try to, you know, help them stand out and be the best people they can be, and uh, it was more the other things in my home that were happening that affected me more than helping children. I disapproved of some things. I didn't know that till I got older. They were just regular parts there was of my life that I didn't like. So uh, there was some um, some sexual touching that was happening 
that came from my father that I wasn't aware of that was not inappropriate because that was just what my life was like. And I didn't know any better. So I didn't do a lot of, you know, overnights because I'm like, why would I want to go to somebody else's house? You know, if that's what happens at their house, I don't want to do that there. And I wouldn't let anybody come and spend the night at our house. So I didn't have a lot of that. And then, uh, Oh, how painful. So that, that helped me in the childcare world where I wanted to protect them. I wanted to give them a different experience as a childhood, you know, part of being part of their childhood type of thing. So it wasn't, of course, you know, I've gone through therapy and, and done, done all the work where it could help me now. And I can't say that, you know, one of my 12 year old daycare kids asked me the other day, do you have any regrets? Oh, like, deep what a girl. question. You know, and I'm like going, well, and I told her that you can't have any regrets in life because it turns you, what things that happen in your choices and what other things have happened to you make you who you are today and make me who I am today. So saying, wishing something didn't happen would change who I was. So if that part of me, I wish never happened, if I could go back and change that part, then maybe I wouldn't be as protective to children nowadays and very keen on that and hone hone in on that. want to make the kids' lives that come into my life a better life, a happier life, um, good memories and things like that. So I can't really say I wanted to change anything. So do, do, when you think of, when you talk like that, do you, are you thinking of, emotional security or physical security or both that you want to give children yeah it's it's everything actually because I had um that relationship kind of a love-hate relationship with my dad there's things I didn't like but then again I was that tomboy so I was outside I was just trying to now that I thought through just kind of staying away from as much as I could staying on my own, playing on my own. And you know, I played with my little brother and and things like that outside. And so I was just mostly outside. My mother was, and sometimes still is, that more critical person. And um, my mom, she says no, but I truly believe she has some favorites. She has favorite children. And so... Did she protect I, you? My mom? Mm. No, she didn't. She and, and, and your sister, did she have similar experiences? Have you, do you know that? It, it came out, I think I was about 13. And my sister was 15 and she started to get into trouble. You know, like 15, 16, she's starting to drive. She's doing things she's allowed to go and do. And so she started getting that rebellious part and, and so she would um, get in fights with my mom. And then, of course, my dad would come up. Well, you you know, you wait till your father gets home type of thing. And she was like, well, I'm not going to listen to him either because you know what he does. Because I had shared it with my sister. And um, and then she blurted it out to my mom. Like, well, dad touches Debbie. And then, of course, the whole thing blew up. And now my mom is aware and um so it happened to her but not as much as me because I kind of find I wouldn't say a favorite but maybe I was the one that was this is kind of a relationship with my sister as well because she would put me in for trying to protect her she would put mm -hmm. me between him so he would come you know through the house stop at me and then I would make him feel guilty and then he would leave so I think that's what happened and so my sister and I we don't get along we don't talk um well you were put in such a competitive and terrible position it was very competitive he's not, not like your sister that type of thing right and I don't do that uh, with my own children so um how many do you have I personally have two. Uh -huh. so I have a daughter from 
Uh, my first marriage, uh, her name is uh, Shana. She was going to be 32. Oh, wow. She'll be 32, um, I think, next week. And then um, my husband and I now have a son, and he'll be 21 in September. So, Are you happy now, Debbie? Am I happy? Um, well, I made my own little family. I moved away. I got away from all of that. Um, I had got had a boyfriend in high school, high school sweethearts. He went into the military and then he was stationed in Washington state. And then he came back, we got married and we uh, moved up here. So that was kind of really good. I was away from that situation. I was away from my my family that I've known, I was 19 when we got married and and I moved to Washington. I was on my own with just him and me. And three years later is when our daughter came along. So, and then um, a seven year itch thing happened and he uh, was caught cheating. So I put him to the curb and which was, <laughs> difficult, which was difficult. My mom was like, well, you know, your grandfather you know, cheated on your grandma and they stayed together and maybe you and, you know, he need to stay together and work it out. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't be worrying if he's five minutes late. Where is he? What do he do? I said, I just couldn't live my life that way. And it, even though it was a hard decision, my, our daughter was three at the time. Um, and then by the time we were divorced, she was almost four. So it was, then it kind of was a really good time after standing on my own two feet and got my own independence. I was single for about five years, I believe, um, four or five years until I married my you know, now husband. So we've been, we'll be married 24 years in September. So, so you, you weren't originally from Washington? No, I was from Arizona. Oh, well, I love Arizona. So yes. My, my husband's from Washington, from Seattle. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. yeah, so my family is all still in um, Arizona. Uh -huh. So my dad passed see, on. Do you see them? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. Um, Probably best not. My mom calls. My mom calls every week. She calls every Sunday night. We have our chat. She might skip a, you know, a night once in a while. So we always connect that way. Um, there's no communication with my sister. Um, she actually defriended me, and it was a long story. I went to went home to surprise my mom, and I met up at my brother's house, and we have a good relationship, my brother and I, and we met up there to surprise her. Well, I didn't share it with my sister. My sister got mad that I didn't share the surprise visit. So that's what, it's kind of really sad, but that's what she used to for me to completely block me out so I'm like I'm I'm on unfriend you know she I'm not her friend anymore on Facebook and um, I don't think we even have each other's phone numbers anymore she's remarried and I've never met her her husband her, her now husband but I do know her kids so I do go back home see the last time I went home I think it was October over a year ago for um one of my niece's wedding my brother's one of his daughters got married so we went there and but it's, I remember my early being young I went back for like two weeks and I it was very difficult to stay home for two weeks so then we shorted it for a week so we would go home and visit for a week and now it's pretty much maybe a long weekend uh-huh they it. say um fish and family three days that's about all I can yeah that's all <laughs> I can. so enough how does all this bring you to early childhood education? How did you start it? What made you think of it? So I've always enjoyed um, children. We were heavy in um, church going um, and in high school and stuff like that when I was younger and into high school. So I always would volunteer for um, the nursery, you know, during church time. And then um, I would babysit for a lot of people, do their Friday night things, and we would do fun stuff and play hide and seek in the dark and, and turn off all the lights and give everybody flashlights and um, do different things like that. So it would always be a lot of fun. So then all my time kind of got taken up with watching other people's children. 
And, but then I left, you know, I got married and, and left after high school. And so coming up here to Washington state, he was stationed in the military. I kind of got, did my house thing, you know, set the house up and stuff like that. And you get an apartment and things like that. And I was kind of bored. So um, I was looking for a job and there was a childcare facility that was an in-home and she was licensed for 12. She was looking for a toddler assistant. So I'm like, okay, so I'll just go, I'll apply and, you know, we'll see what happened. And it's pretty close to where our apartment was. So um, went, I interviewed, she hired me. Um, she said she liked my accent, which I don't think I have an accent, but she <laughs> thought I had an accent. So I was like, okay, um, I'll take the job. So <laughs> I helped, and it was her toddler assistant. And so I watched all the littles and the babies while she taught preschool in the program. And then I helped her blossom into a center. So in her home, she went up to 32 children. So then oh I was kind God. of pretty much the, the, her second in command. I was her second. I also trained the other children, other staff that came in. And so it was pretty, it was successful. So enough to the point where I was like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I got pregnant with my daughter and I was like, I want to kind of start my own in-home. So I kind of left her and I opened up my own mini, um, mini set. There was a mini center back then. It was what they called it with the 12 kids in my own home. And uh, that went really well. And she, the previous owner, she still had her center. She got cancer. So she asked me, to kind of run her center while she was doing her treatment and of course keep mine open. So I was kind of in between two places. And so I was running hers in the morning. I was there to do all the technical work and, you know, do everything that needed to be done and set up and um, ready for that program. And I would close out my own. So I had staff that, that opened here and really my best friend, I met my best friend, um, her husband was also in the military. So I'm like, hey, when we opened up from a mini center to a center, I'm like, you need a job? So I got you a job. So then we would carpool and our husbands would carpool. So um, so my best friend and I worked there and then she moved over to my in-home with me. And then she kind of ran my in-home in the morning and I ran the center. And then uh, she got better and... Um, recovered from cancer and um, got back into her center. So I'm like, hey, I could do this center thing. So I had negotiated with my church at the time to start a childcare center in the church. So um, I started that process. I closed down my in-home. I opened up the um, center and I was licensed for 77 children and one infant and... Mm -hmm. And there was like one infant, you know, they're like, why do you want one infant? My licensor's like, why do you want one infant? Because you can make so much money on the infant care. And of course, you have to have a separate room for the infants and stuff like that. And I'm like, I want one infant because even though I had a lot of staff, my philosophy had always been one infant at a time, newborn, because they deserve so much attention and one-on-one -on -one and it, and so if it's not me, it's my assistant that could, you know, cater to the infant because they're so helpless. And so that just carried uh, over into my center. And then it still carries over. I've done twins in the past, but it's still my philosophy of one newborn at a time. And until they're like, don't need us until they you know are crawling and they don't you need us as much as that one-on-one, -on -one, then I might, you know, take on another infant if I have openings. That's so, amazing. That's amazing. That is so enlightened. So, you know, some people are out for the money and I'm just, you know, I'm not, you know, family home providers. I'm not out for the money. Nice. The money's nice, but it's always, I think because of my past, it's always been the experience for the children. I want, you know, have them to have a happy childhood, even though I'm sure I had some really good things. I kind of remember the bad things the most, which is human. Right. Well, yeah, so I just wanted to, you know, if I can change one child's life, then it's worth it. Right, right. I, I, 
So did, did you have any formal early childhood education? Uh, Jeff, I've seemed to have taken over. Just jump in. Well, Jeff is having a little bit of a problem right now. I noticed I'm I'm gripping. I've got my stand up desk. I'm gripping the sides of my desk, and my head is throbbing because I'm I'm so pissed off of about the uh, first fifteen minutes of of Debbie's story. Um, right. That that I I I, I want to do violence to your 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 dad, Debbie. Um, I yeah. and I'm not a violent person, but it it viscerally um, sets me aflame to not only know that you went through that, but to know that that's happening out. I I'm sorry. I I I I'm becoming more emotionally involved in Debbie's story than I was with with my two part early learning journey. Tomorrow, um, well, that's what we do. We keep ourselves safe from our stories, but it's much easier to to understand sure. someone else's. But I think that's sure. good for Debbie to hear. It validates her story. I I mean. Thank you for sharing because I know there are going to be people people who listen to this who have been through similar things, um, and I don't want to. I, I want to move beyond that. But did was there any? Did you ever get any justice? When uh, when I had my daughter, um, I was the first to have. I actually um, got pregnant and I miscarried, and then. Um, I got pregnant again and took me about a year. And then I had my daughter, Shana. So when she was, it was a girl. Cause back then um, she was born in 91. Uh, they didn't tell you, of course we were in the military. So they didn't tell you the sex of the child. So I was kind of hoping that it was a boy. Um, but then when she came and she was a girl and um, then we went home to visit, we had a conversation and I told him that, he will not ever be alone with my daughter. Excellent. So just make it plain and simple. Never. And uh, I will kill you, basically, if you touch her. And so okay, he wonderful. apologized. He did apologize and, and things like that. And my sister also, about six months after me, had a baby girl. And it, it blew up. Um, when my mom started watching my daughter's, my sister's daughter, and she was coming up to around the age two, and I started, my daughter was six months older than she was, so I was seeing how innocent, even though I had multiple two-year-olds before that point, working with children for many, many years, it just, it triggered more with my own than with other people's children, but um that's when I went into therapy because I'm like, my sister obviously doesn't remember. My mom must not remember. And because my mom didn't protect me, why would my mom protect mm -hmm. my sister's daughter? My niece? And I've got to get strong because I've got to stand up to them because they were kind of always that backbone. Like if I needed something, I could ask my parents, they would be there for me. Um, but I knew that if this is going to come out again, because it came out when I was 13, if it was going to come out, I could lose everybody. And I needed to be strong for myself to stand up for Brittany. EM, and then so at the same time, my marriage was falling apart. So I was going to therapy. I was trying to become a better person. And I believe my husband didn't like my the new person I was because I was dependent upon him. And now I was doing more things on my own. I'd opened the center. I was being more strong. And so when I called my parents to tell him, tell them that my husband and I are splitting up is when it came out. And I thought I was just talking to my mom, but my dad had picked up the other line. And I told them, she's like, well, you guys just need to go to therapy. Just get a counselor. I'm like, well, I've kind of been in counseling and I'm kind of deal with, you know, the stuff that happened at home. And um, so I was not happy with what my dad did. And that's why I'm protecting my daughter. And now I'm worried about Brittany and I need to protect her. And his mom, you didn't protect me. So then I could hear my dad crying and I didn't know 
that he was on the phone. I was just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, I thought, with my my mom. So uh, then I let him know as well that, you know, it, you better not, basically, because I'm not going to roll over. And so there wasn't much longer after that. My, my dad had passed away. So he had passed away at age 54 of a heart attack um, in the front yard. So oh. he was so I wasn't home. Um, I was in Arizona or Washington, obviously. And I remember getting the phone call right smack dab in the middle, you know, of work day. And um, but unfortunately, it was a relief. And you and you had some kind of closure with him because he did apologize. Yes. I mean, did, it, it's such a such a painful, painful thing. When he apologized, was it helpful for you or was it worse? Um, I, I think I, it wasn't necessarily helpful, but not yet worse because it was just, what else could he say? I mean, he could not apologize, but I was, right. uh, I, to me, um, I was already in the therapy mode of, I don't care what you're going to say, it's going to yeah. stop. It will stop. And I'm stopping you. I'm breaking that chain. I'm, it's going to end here or, you know, it's going to lead through authorities, basically. Right. So I had to talk to my sister. I had to talk to my mom. And, and so um, they said they were aware of it. It was never talked about ever again. Of course. Yeah. So, you know, if she finds out it's been discussed here, she'll, you know, maybe I won't get those Sunday calls anymore, but She's not in that world, you know, she's not in this world. And um, I don't know if she really understands the extent of what I do for mm -hmm. children here. And uh, she babysat my sister's children and my sister had uh, four. So, and she always said, you need to have more kids. I need more grandkids. My brother has four. I have four. I'm like, I have like 104 with all the kids <laughs> I've cared for. And they're all, you know, they come into my home and they were in my center. They were my kids for that time span. And, and so I'm like, I kind of have a lot more than, you know, biological ones. So, but. Well, you're, you're, the children you care for are so fortunate and your children. You're a very courageous woman. Oh, thank you. Really? So Debbie, how, okay, look, your dad. Uh, we'll just we'll just label him asshole first husband oh. asshole um how do you how do you end up trusting uh, because i've met your husband your husband's I, I mean everything i know about him and have experienced with him is he's just a he's just a nice dude how do you end up after having all those bad experiences how do you end up trusting and and then picking a guy who I mean, maybe look, everybody's broken in some way, but he isn't broken the way the 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 your your dad and first husband were because I think there's a tendency for people to to kind of pick people who are broken in the same ways the people who broke them are broken. Does that I mean, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. how did how did you end up I, I guess how did you end up with a good guy? So it was a lot of um trial and error. So, of course, I think um, my first husband was that escape. Mm -hmm. Like, he's in another sure. state. Woo, I'm out of here type of thing. And then I stayed because I had the center. So I, my mom's like, you need, you know, maybe you need to come home now. And I'm like, nope, not coming back there. And so I'm going to stay, make it work. I had my center. And um, so I met him. He's actually younger than me. And so I was kind of a little, you know, pushing him away, kind of like, you're a baby. And he's oh. eight years, you know, he, at that time. Um, yeah. So I was, I remember, I think I was 28 and he was 20 at the time. So it was eight years difference. And um, it's kind of a funny thing because we were all going out as a group and drinking and I didn't know that he was 20 at the time, but he knew more about me than I knew about him. And um, so I'm like, you know, cause he wasn't drinking. So I was kind of like, 
you know, are you an alcoholic? You know, it's okay if you are, you know, I just know you're not drinking, you know? And he's like, oh no, I can't drink because I'm not 21. So I just, so I just like, okay. So I had no clue. So, so he kind of pursued me and we, we dated for a few years. And um, so, and we were married and now it's going on, you know, 24 years next month. And um, it's just, every marriage has their issues. It's just, I'm someone who will work through things. As long as you don't hit me or cheat on me, you know, to do that verbal abuse type of thing, you know, anything can be worked out. So I, I was sharing with him my past. So he knew full full well what he was coming into. And I was already, you know, I was eight years older than he was. So I'm like going, this is what I'll tolerate. This is not what I tolerate. And um, so he kind of knew hands down what kind of person I was and at that point you know I was like I'm not gonna fake anything this is me you're gonna get me the way I am and I'll tell you like it is so um so you might have to ask him why he's hanging around <laughs> I don't know. so because I'm a lot to deal with at times and but he also is an advocate for child care providers too so he's you know, been with me when I took over um, and ran for president in 2007 for the association. Um, I told him, you know me, when I put, I choose to do something, I, I go in full, you know, all feet, feet first, get it done, do what I need to do. And so, and he agreed, he said he'd be there. So, and he's still here. So. So th- this is such a story, Jeff. Yeah, I like this part of it better, though. Um, I've, 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 I've let go of my desk. So, so, Debbie, in your in your journey, what, how how have you, you know, you start out, you start out. I mean, you find yourself working in this in this program, and you help that program grow, and you start your own. How else have you grown as as a as a caregiver over your journey? Yes, I wanted to know professionally too. Like if you had formal training or just from your life, which is all good to me. So um, in the state of Washington, I think in 2020, they started to mandate continued education classes. So providers had to do 10 hours a year. So that's what kind of started the process. I was just learning and observing the children up to that point because I started in January of 89. And so it wasn't mandated that we took classes. Um, I did uh, try to take some ECE classes, but of course, back in the day, you had to take them in person and at the middle of the day. So I really couldn't take those, but I just tried to get some books. There was no really, you know, no connection back then. So I tried to go to the library and find some books and read up on stuff. So if I had a child that was delayed, but it wasn't really known back in those days, if they were autistic or whatever. So I was trying to do some research in the library um, because they didn't have the internet and all that stuff. So it was difficult in in the early years. uh, And so I just kind of do trial and error with each child and tried a different thing. And I just try to use my past experiences. Like how would I want to be treated in this situation? I'm kind of uh, right now the ADHD, a uh, child whisperer. And um, so I have children that come to me with that and I know how to ch- help them challenge and keep them you know, focused without medication is my goal. So the mandated classes is what started it. And then uh, they kind of forced uh, providers together. The state did. And then of course, then we started talking and started to, to resist some of the stuff that the state was doing because we were getting together. And uh, so that's why I had been part of the association and t- they were always offering classes. So I was part of the association to get the classes. So then I worked up to being an area rep and then, um, then end up being, they asked me to be president. So I ran for president and now nobody wants the job. So I'm still here. <laughs> and um, so uh, then, so I was just taking those classes 
And then they started doing more advertising. Email showed up. So I started getting more emails about different classes. So even though I was, we were required to get 10, I was always going above and beyond that number just because if it was interesting, then I'm going to take that class. So then, of course, some of the classes weren't so good and some were you know, some bad ones. So then I started tailoring the classes that the association was doing, the more um, vital situations that child care providers were in. So I was finding presenters and bringing them in and having conferences and and which led me to Jeff. And he actually the first time I can't remember what year it was, but you came to Spokane in um, the fall. And you did a six hour, I think a six hour presentation inside the church. I forgot what year it was. I can probably look it up. But that's when I, I, I can't remember how, I think it was Lisa Murphy. You brought her in before and then she, and then Jeff was in her world. So then I brought Jeff in and then, so it was that circle. So basically it just kind of grew that way. So I do not have and degree except for a CDA. So CDA is good. The council. Um, I did take that class. That was excellent. Um, I was actually nursing my son um, at the time. So I'm like, oh, they have this class. It's starting. It's a one year thing. And yes, I have, we have Nathan. So um, I would try to leave some milk, but then he would show up on a Saturday with our son and people in the classroom remember me nursing him in the middle of class and then I would pass them off to my husband and he would, you know, take them so I could finish the class time. So, but, um, that's all I have, um, education wise, besides all the classes that I take and all the books I've read and, uh, and all the life you've lived. The state has now forcing providers to get a uh, short certificate through some colleges and stuff. And I'm like, when do, am I going to have time to go to college? I'm like, yes, it's <clears> online, <throat> but I already work 11 hours. You know, I have kids from 6.30 to 5.30. And then, of course, COVID hit. And you got all the extra cleaning and I have the association stuff. How am I? There's no way I can go to college. So I advocated mm -hmm. and, and fought um, the state some. Well, a lot. Um, I kind of do that on a regular basis. And um, they've uh, adopted an equivalent. So they kind of go by your experience and how much credit hours you have. So they consider me having the short certificate because I've been doing it. This is my 35th year. And then um, with how many star hours I have and my CDA and things like that. So it's just, if, it's, if a kid needs something, then I'm going to learn about it. And I'm going to help them the best way I can. So my son is ADHD. So that's why I'm kind of the ADHD person. So he was diagnosed with it. And along with the, the T factor, thrill factor, you know, he still jumps off the roof and off the, you know, the 10 foot deck down to the ground. So he's still. At age 21? Yeah, he's still 21. I'm like, your knees one of these days, son. Your knees. <laughs> so, so yeah, he'll be on the roof and, um, you know, the kids think it's just awesome. It's so awesome that he's on the roof and, and, um, but yeah, he's keeps him running. He chases them and stuff like that. And, um, so he's out at, in college, he's going to become a mechanical engineer. And, uh, so my daughter is my assistant. She works oh. for me. I did put her, we, she went to cosmetology school. So uh, she just didn't know what she wanted to do. And I didn't really want to force her. She was at that time, she wasn't ready. And she went through some uh, delay um, in her speech when her dad left. And so she was did some some speech therapy, which was excellent. I kind of listened to the therapy sessions and used that in childcare with children with their speech. So um, she was always a little bit you know, late in um, school. So I didn't want to push her into doing anything if she wasn't ready for that. So I'm like, you got to do some type of trade at least, you know, think about that. So um, she went to cosmetology school. She has her license. It's been, you know, many, many years. And, um, but she cuts all the daycare kids hair. She does my hair. She does a lot of parents hair. She does that on the side, but she's my full-time assistant. 
um, I credit her on who I am today because I needed to be strong during that divorce time for her. I had to do to stay strong and be somebody she can count on because he couldn't be counted on. So I need to do that for her. And uh, so we have a really close bond and she works for me and she's my you know, right hand woman and, and she's awesome. And so I'm happy. That's, that's gotta be nice. Yeah. You're pretty awesome, Deb. You're pretty awesome. So I'm really impressed. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking that um if we ever come to Seattle, which we do every now and again, I'd like to <laughs> I'd like to properly meet you. <laughs> yeah. So we're on the other coast. We're more inland next to the Idaho, but yeah, we can make a trip over to Seattle. I know where you are. Mm-hmm. Yep. So <laughs> Court Lane adjacent adjacent pretty much, yep. huh? Yep. Beautiful, beautiful corner of the world. So what, what's, what's, what's next? Mm-hmm. What's next? So, um, unfortunately it's like, do, do I need to retire? I mean, that's my kind of, my kind of thing. So of course with childcare providers in home, you know, we don't have a retirement. We don't have all of that, you know, all that stuff. Um, we didn't have the money, you know, to invest and have a retirement. So I have zero retirement. Um, and we're kind of in a financial place now with my husband um, that uh, we can't afford to put money in the IRA and things. But hello, you know, I'm I'm now 54. So it's kind of, you know, a little, little late. So do I go until I drop or do I retire? Um, that's my thinking but I don't know, there's still a call for the kids in me I feel um you know I'm not done there yet I think you know from where I stand I'm 74 so um <laughs> yeah, you, gotta, you seem you really decades, young to huh? me <laughs> <laughs> so it, yeah so it's just the sky's the limit right so it's just you know so I might go I have a, so I'm up my license. I have 17 children on a daily basis. Um, my daughter is my full-time assistant and I actually have a, a past daycare child who's going to be 21 herself. She works for me during the summer. So she comes back. And um, so I go up to 17 in the summer, but I go back down to 12 during um, the school year. So I can get that one-on-one attention and and make sure the children um you know prosper and so that they you know could have a a really good childhood and you know keep them out of uh, school as long as possible kind of type of thing because you know we're not happy with the school system in washington anyway that's kind of been a hot topic and so i want to give them that childhood but then they're always really ready. They're ready to go into kindergarten. I know the kindergarten teacher have been here since my I was pregnant with our son. We moved into this house. So that kindergarten teacher's been there the whole time. And she can tell, pick my kids out. She knows exactly who's been at, you know, at Debbie's house. So, um, yeah, so it's just. Is there, is there jumping off the roof? No, I don't think so. I think she's always been good. So they usually come in testing really well and they kind of go out testing really well. And really then they say that they don't really learn a whole lot in kindergarten because they were already ready and it was exposed and, you know, things come very easily to them. So um, I haven't had learning probably from you. So I got to ask about this 21 year old that's that's come back to work from you. Do you see anything in who she is as a young adult um, that that you influenced from when she was a, a little one in your program? So she um, she it was kind of funny because she she's like when I asked her, I said, if you're looking for a summer job, my numbers, if you're interested and she's, oh, yes, I will still come back because I miss your food. So she, <laughs> she's like, so she's just like, I just remember this and that. And, you know, she's just named off all the food. And so she um, really enjoys, you know, having the same meals because it's true. And, you know, 
And I'm like, I kind of know what kids like and what they eat. And so she remembers all that. And she remembers her summers. And and so she's always studious. And she always had the best penmanship when she was writing. She had to have her, her you know, her writing. She's like, how do you make this letter? So then she wanted it perfect. And when my son, they were the same age. They were actually kind of best friends growing up in the daycare. And um, he was always sloppy. And she's always was telling to tell them. I thought maybe they would get together and date, but they never <laughs> did. So she's the same as she was when she was young as an adult. She's going to college for business. And uh, she's very, you know, to the point. She was a mini mama. She helped out. And so she just was grateful. She says, thank you for giving. I see what the kids are doing. And I used to do that. And she just remembers. Yeah, I still have some of the same good toys, like one of those airplanes that that teeter, whatever. Oh, wow. And they used to stand on it where, you know, the state were like, oh, they can't stand on that. And I'm like, stand on it. You know, they were balancing. They were trying to figure out how many rocks you know, to put in their pockets to make them even. And so I just, I let them do that. Nathan could climb. Only Nathan was allowed on the roof, unfortunately. But um, we would, uh, you know, try to do something more safe to get them up on the playhouse and they could like climb on the playhouse. And I would try to be right there just because, you know, liability issues and stuff. But I do let them, um, you know, do go do that extra climbing, do the hard thing. And yeah, you know, the, the, the state requirements sometimes are a little bit exaggerated because of all the liability stuff. <laughs> I remember when I was the director of the University at Buffalo Child Care Centres, um, I would say to the staff, you know, Jesus and Mother Teresa never wore rubber gloves. You know, you just got to get there to the kid and forget the rubber gloves. This was way back. But when the state came for a visit, I was on the intercom, everybody rubber gloves all the way through the centre. <laughs> You rule breaker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Debbie. Like, yeah. Go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No, you I was go just ahead. saying one rule was they made these outlandish rules about swings outside. You'd have nine inches of pea gravel and twice twice the height of the bar on both sides of swings. And of course, I don't have any bar was eight feet. So I mean sixteen feet of nine inches of gravel. I'm like, I don't have enough room in the backyard. So I'm like, I had to take the swings down, but I put one inside the house. There's no <laughs> rules on inside the house. So I'm like, mm, how are you going to regulate that? They just, they leave it alone. So I, <laughs> like, There's no rules. Well, you can't have a swing. I'm like, where does it say that? I'm like, show me the page. Show me the whack. Excellent. So now there's a swing inside the house and the kids get the swing. So. <laughs> everybody in everybody in the uh the state child care department must just must just cringe when when an email from debbie shows up or she they get a phone call because <laughs> because she's figured out a way to get around something uh debbie i gotta ask what do you do to take care of yourself mm -hmm. you're giving all this time right. to your your family and the kids and their families and the association what do you do just for debbie so we had talked about this a little bit earlier. So at this point right now, I'm a little on the burnt out side, but um, I well, know. What does that can... mean? What does that mean? How, how do you know you're burnt out? How's that? How's that look? Yeah. How's that look? To me, it's um, I'm tired, basically. So I, I get up and even though I get up, I get ready. I'm there every day makeup's on, hair's done, you know, I, I do that. It's just kind of having to take a deep breath, prepare for the day. And because you don't know what's coming to the door. So, you know, you have to meet each child. They might have had a bad night. So I just prepared for them. And then it's emotional giving all day. So it's kind of emotional labor. So I give to this child and I give to this one and yeah. this parent needs something. So sometimes my self-care is maybe doing nothing so my husband kind of understands that um that sometimes I just need to do nothing like he'll take care of dinner he you know I turn my phone off I just do nothing and uh, I get my nails done and um I did give myself a Corvette 
That's what? another thing. <laughs> so we have a Corvette. And uh, so that's fun to drive. Is it, a is it a little red Corvette? Actually, it's a Corvette racing yellow. Oh, Whoa. wow. That's got to be bright. She's yellow and um, got hash marks that are red. This is a Grand Sport. So I'll give you a little Corvette education. If it's got hash, mar hash marks on the front fenders, um, that's a Grand Sport. So we have a Grand Sport um, Corvette racing yellow. 2017. And you said she. What's her name? Right now, it's just she. We haven't. Oh, okay. It was new yeah, to us. We had gotten it like during COVID. Uh -huh. And um, so it was kind of funny because remember, I had casts on my arm on a regular basis. So uh -huh. I went to the first Corvette meeting and um, he stood up to announce what car we had and stuff. And so I raised my hand with the cast. And I'm like, yeah, he twisted my arm. <laughs> and i have a cast on it so that was always always kind of a joke thing so um yeah so that's why i am struggling with my self care and that's something i need to work on because i'm a little behind on the podcast and i just listened to his last uh uh happy hour and which i might I should have been there because I really needed that. So that's my goal for this coming up year is self-care start right now kind of thing. I really need to focus on that. So that's my next. Well, it's hard. And I, and I, I'm guessing that some of the work you do at the association uh, provides you a little bit of self-care because um, for, for a lot of early learning people doing stuff for other people refreshes them and re-energizes themselves. But if you're not doing any of the stuff that gives you the energy to do those things, it can really start you in a downward spiral, which can be, which can be a tough, a tough place to be. You know, sometimes just going to a conference, I, I remember taking a bunch of my staff to an NAEYC conference. I think it might've been in Atlanta. I can't remember. And um, instead of going to the opening session, um, I took them all to, to a Melissa Etheridge concert that was down the road. And we had such a wonderful time. And sometimes that, you know, that's all you need to do. Just do something completely different and sure. um, expand your mind in different ways. And Melissa Etheridge con concert expands the mind in different ways. Do you know who she is? No. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I loved oh, yeah. her for a long time. Yeah. So yeah, so, I need, yeah, I need to work on that. That's one thing I realized I needed to, need to do even though I had vacation last week it didn't feel like a vacation so um we have you know the all next, the parents the next NAEYC is in Nashville which is pretty cool yeah uh, so don't look listeners if you're going to go to Nashville don't go to Nashville for a conference go to Nashville to hang out on Broadway but you can slip away you can yeah okay well don't okay Mm, try to figure out how to get this to be a 100% a business expense. I guess you got to register for the con. Yeah. Look, get somebody yeah. to whatever, whatever record keeping they do at the conference. If they give out stickers or whatever to certify you're there, have somebody, have somebody mock those up for you. I do something so you can spend your time down on, on yeah. Broadway and, and skip the whole, uh, where do they usually have them down? It's usually that there's a big Marriott down. Uh, yeah, yeah. Broadway's up. That's a, that's a good time. Uh, it's a good time, Nashville. Yeah. yeah. 2019 I was there. It was great. I mean, I do my presentation and then I just go and play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds, that sounds do good. Do you do presentations? Um, I have. Yes. So, uh, the state's kind of, of course, there's a state thing kind of narrowed down like who can present and stuff. But I was had taught um, several of the trainings uh, for the association. I did go to Idaho and do one. I'm kind of known as the bubble lady. So um, I give them, you know, tons of things they can do uh, with bubbles. I actually learned it when my daughter went to speech therapy. They said blowing bubbles with her could help her with her speech and stuff. So I kind of went what else can I do with bubbles type of thing? So I just kind of go down a rabbit hole with bubbles. And and so I've taught some classes about that and uh, a lot of paperwork classes. I'm kind of that, you know, policy kind of girl, 
I kind of go too far into my policies. And so I get a lot of you know questions about that. And um, when the new rules came out, we did a, a session and deep dive on what does it mean by certain rules because it's going to be taken different directions. So I tried to simplify that for providers. And uh, they actually helped a couple of providers recently where they were written up by the state for doing something, you know, outside the whack. The rules are non-compliant. And after talking to them and reading what they wrote down, the state had messed up and didn't do um, right by the provider and or they interpreted the rule incorrect. So we helped them write a dispute and we've won. Yay. And yeah. we have to kind of put in there that the state kind of knows my name and my husband because uh, he's actually followed licensors around. It's kind of a long story and, and tracked them um, and kind of been an advocate for the provider when the licensing had shown up. So back in the day. And so we actually write, you know, this has been written, you know, with the help of Deborah Thurber and James Thurber. Um, and, you know, we we are concerned about uh, retaliation by mm -hmm. standing our rights. So we kind of have to put that in there so that they don't kind of come after us. So because there's been some providers that they have been retaliated against. So I of course, we stand up for them. So, but and you, I suppose you know that James Thurber is a quite a famous name. Yes, they keep asking if he's really. <laughs> so, my, the my same first, guy. My first marriage was Presley, so I got <laughs> like, "Are you related?" <laughs> and I'm like, well, if, I, if he were, you know, I probably got more out of the divorce. So. <laughs> I say that, and then when they call and ask, you know, if he's related, but no, he, we're not related to that. So, but he kidding. gets a lot of that. So, this has been so interesting, and so um, I so appreciate you sharing your stories. Um, it was uh, it was difficult, and um, for you to share, I'm sure, so publicly. It was a lot of therapy, and I yeah. got through it. So I yeah. I can't like I want to tell those people that. You can't change what happened to you in the past because it made you who you are today. So you have to embrace who you are. You got to make those the right choices when you're an adult because yeah. it's you. You can't kind of blame your past. So I've made that transition and and a lot of providers, you know, go into child care because of their past and they have their own, you know, um, past issues and they might want to put that on the other children as in try to control them type of thing I couldn't control this so I'm going to control this area so I'd really oh let my. this is what I read. write about yeah so it's kind of like I read your book and I'm like oh, yes you know oh you of, did oh good yeah. so I was kind of <laughs> like gotta let it go you know I want them to have the childhood that I didn't have so what I would have wanted to have. So that's, you know, that's my goal. If it's worth it with one child, you know, having a better life than it was all these years have been worth it. So. It's a lot easier to do this work when you're, you're fairly comfortable in your own skin, isn't it? Oh, yeah. and it's so much better for children. Sure. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? I said my final thought, I guess. Debbie, I appreciate it. Um, listeners, You're a humble soul. She is a very humble soul. She's a doing amazing soul. things and she's very humble about it. But I, I I know for a fact, because I hear from them, that there are there are plenty of caregivers in Washington State and, and not all in family child care either. There are center people that have been influenced by the by the good work that Debbie's doing. So uh, thank you for sharing that and start taking better care of yourself. You can do this for another 20 or 30 years. Oh, no, something different, something different. <laughs> hey, listeners, you want to reach out to the show? I got rid of the uh, phone number. I told you in a previous episode why, but uh, you can go over to myplayhaven.com if you want to join our early learning community of practice. You got to register. It takes a moment. You got to send a, a confirmation email so not, you're not a spam uh, person, but uh, it's really easy to, to get part of, but get on there. And you can also join me for a happy hour. Debbie mentioned it earlier, fourth Tuesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Central. We, uh, we get together 
together on the Zoom and um, we call it happy hour. You don't have to have a cocktail in your hand, but I mean, you can. Uh, I'm not going to judge either way. I I'm going to have one. Uh, and we talk about whatever you want to talk about. Listener Clevet has uh, has shared a bunch of uh, topics if nobody else has anything. So we've got a bunch of stuff um, on the on the menu for for future visits to happy hour. Other than that, we'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.